championship to New Jersey. The Devils win the Stanley Cup. Harley Castle. Oh, what a save by Brunner. Martin Brunner takes a sure one away. Plays it across, shot by Yuzi, scores! There's number one for number one! Alright everybody, welcome to the very first episode of the Fire and Ice podcast. I am your host, Tommy Bennett, and I am very excited to be doing this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Primarily we will be talking about the New Jersey Devils, but we will also be diving into... Anything else hockey-related, that'll be one of the final segments once we kind of conclude with Devils hockey. But I'm excited. Uh, This is the sport we love the most. Uh, Whether it's your team or not, that's okay. But we're all here to enjoy the game of hockey, and that's a beautiful thing. And overall, the Devils have been, you know, fun to watch. Obviously, you know, you go back to the glory days of, Rodor, Stevens, just that whole era of glorifying Devils hockey. And it's changed. Uh, That era is not here anymore. But the future is very bright for the New Jersey Devils. And despite being in a never-ending rebuild, which has been insanely frustrating to, as a fan, just to watch and to just deal with it, wondering when will this team ever be good? When will they taste playoff hockey? And when will they be, you know, the proud New Jersey team that we were watching in the 90s and 2000s? And that's what we're all about. But, you know, Lou Morello never really left anything available for a rebuild. He didn't leave anything in place. And when Ray Shiro took over, he sort of wrote the coattails of an MVP season by Taylor Hall. And that team wasn't necessarily ready to contend. And it was just a mess. Yeah, I mean, he just left a mess. And Tom Fitzgerald comes in, and it's not perfect, but there there seems to be a light at the end of the tunnel. And in today's episode, we're just kind of going to go over the roster outlook, the team outlook, and just what kind of upgrades he made and what kind of optimism we can look for as fans going into the season of 2023. Uh, So first is the forwards group, which there's talent there, and there's no question about it. I mean, the team has a superstar center in Jack Hughes. Whether you want to call him a superstar or not, that's fine, but he is. And if he was healthy last year, which is something that we're all hoping for, a healthy Jack Hughes, he was healthy last year, easily posts 80 points or more. He was on pace for that. He had 56 or so in 40 games because he was out with COVID, injury, and then another injury. So the guy just couldn't stay healthy. But he's elite. He's locked in for eight years, and he is your, without a question, number one center. Jesper Brad is back, and that's good. Uh, he was a point-per-game player. He had great chemistry with Jack Hughes, and that'll be insanely fun in the coming year just to have that back and to be able to see that duo just kind of dominate, you know, the Devils offense and terrorize other teams. Dawson Mercer 
had a great rookie year. And the biggest thing that Tom Fitzgerald did is even though he missed out on Johnny Gaudreau, which would have been great, it's Johnny Gaudreau. The dude came off a 115-point season. Why would you not want him? You still bring in Andre Pilat. Andre Pilat is, well, arguably could be one of the best players that ever put on the Tampa Bay Lightning jersey. But in regards to that, bringing in a guy that's a veteran, a guy that's won Stanley Cups, has battled in the playoffs, has battled towards being in the Stanley Cup final. A guy that's had a win, and it's a veteran presence in the locker room that the team needs. <clears throat> and these young guys can really lean on a player like that. And he can still come in and be a top six winger. And even being a top six winger, you can still, you know, look look for that extra production that the Devils really do need. Because outside of Jesper Bratt and possibly Dawson Mercer, the, the winger position of the top six was fairly thin. So it wasn't looking very good. So with his addition, it's great. And then you have Nico Heashier. Nico Heashier is a very good two-way center. And he quietly had a 60-point season. People tend to forget that. And he's your captain, and he does lead by example. And even when Jack Hughes went down, you saw Nico Heashier kind of take control and really step up. So you have a one-two punch down the middle. And you're getting Miles Wood back. And his speed and the way he plays the game is going to be a huge boost for the lineup, especially whether he's a third line or fourth line. And as we all know, the Pavel Zaka experience is done. It's over with. Uh, there's no more being frustrated with the sixth overall pick in the 2015 draft. It's done. It's over with. He's gone. We don't have to deal with it. In comes Eric Halla. Uh, while he was not a typical top six center to see, he did that with the Bruins. And he actually played fairly well. But when you're playing with Taylor Hall and David Pasternak as your wings, yeah, you're going to play well. And the Devils get him, and he's the perfect third-line center. I mean, it's, it's arguably a guy who can come in and give you that bottom production. He plays physical. He plays strong. He does have speed. So you're looking at a speedy physical third line. And that's going to be huge. I mean, to get that depth scoring, because the Devils kind of lack that. But as we're going through all this offense and talking about the Devils' offense, let's just be clear. As much as they were horrible and they were a basement team and they lived in the basement, not only in the Metropolitan Division, but the Eastern Conference, the Devils' offense was sensational. They actually were a top 10 offense. They finished 11th in goals with 182. And at even strength, they were one of the best, one of the best teams at even strength. And you notice that. The problem with the Devils is they were brutal on the power play. But you know what? Mark Recchi is gone. We do not have to deal with that. We do not have to see that no more. And if that's an area the Devils can improve in, it can go a long way to their success. They had a bottom five power play in the league. I mean, you watch them play. You just wish they donated to charity and just kept playing five on five. It was horrible. It was brutal to watch. And every time they came on the ice, you just kind of had to hope that, okay, maybe they'll generate chances. Maybe something will happen. It didn't. But you bring in Andrew Burnett. Okay, he coached Florida Panthers. Florida Panthers were the President's Trophies winners. They were one of the best teams on the power play and at even strength. Granted, he had a little bit more superstar power to work with, but the Devils have star power as well. 
And if you look at a power play that has Dougie Hamilton, Jesper Bratt, Jack Hughes, Igor Sharangovich, and you throw whoever on the other side of the point, whether it's a defenseman or another forward, okay, if Andrew Burnett's running your power play, it's going to improve. He has that. You saw that. Obviously, maybe he needs more experience coaching, whatever. But if he's running the power play, the Devils' power play will improve. And the Devils' offense wasn't the problem. So they got enforcements on offense between Halla, Palat, getting Miles Wood back, Jesper Bratt is back. So the Devils' offense that was already a good offense now becomes a better offense. And that's huge for the Devils going forward. And it's something to look forward to. I mean, they're young. They're one of the youngest teams in the league on average. Their average age is 25 years old. So they're still learning. They're still – they just got to put it together. And if they can, I mean, with the moves they've made up front, I mean, why can't they be competitive among some of the best in the Metropolitan Division, which arguably could be one of the hardest to play if you actually go up and down the lineup. But – Tom Fitzgerald also upgraded on the back end. The Devils have gone over a haul on the blue line compared to when Ray Shiro got fired up until now. The blue line is completely revamped. And being the off-season winners that they were last season, they have Dougie Hamilton. He was arguably the best free agent on the market. Unfortunately, his first season in New Jersey... Didn't go as planned. Suffered a broken jaw, and he just never found his groove when he got back. He was battling some other injuries. They also got Ryan Graves. His first season was not exactly the greatest, but Ryan Graves does the good things on defense, and he's a solid top four defenseman. The best Devils pair all season long was between Damon Severson and Jonas Siegenhofer. Siegenthal arguably is the best defenseman that is defensive. Let me rephrase that. The best defensive defenseman in the league. He showed that with his stats and his numbers, and he was one of the best devils uh, on the back end for that reason and someone that they really can rely on in that role. And sometimes he had to play the big minutes with the big guys being down, such as Graves in a slump or whether he was hurt and Hamilton being out. But the biggest additions have come on the third pair. P.K. Subban's gone. Uh, granted, he was not worth the contract while he was here in New Jersey, which is fine. But overall, he is gone, and overall, P.K. is a great guy. He was He's arguably one of the, even in his prime days, he was one of the most energetic defensemen to play. I mean, he was just fun the way he threw the body, the way he skated, just, to, just the way he carried himself on the ice, and he's got the best character off the ice. He's just a great guy overall, but his time in New Jersey is up, and he's still actually on the market waiting for a new deal. The Devils made a big move, a move that actually makes the team insanely deep, and that is trading Ty Smith for John Marino. Ty Smith kind of struggled in New Jersey after a decent rookie year, but they move him for John Marino, who actually has five years left on his contract. Marino's good in transition. He's good defending, and he can actually chip in on the offense. The biggest thing is transition, being able to push the play up forward to your forwards. So arguably on the right side of the blue line, the Devils have Marino, Severson, and Dougie Hamilton. 
on paper, the Devils could legitimately have a top 10 defense. However, last season was brutal. The Devils were horrible. I mean, horrible. Horrible is almost an understatement to how bad the Devils were defensively. I mean, you just watched them play, and it was just, they seemed out of place. It, just not doing the little things. And the problem with that is, as a result, they allowed the second most goals in the league ahead of the Arizona Coyotes. It was embarrassing. And for a team that was deemed the offseason winners, it just was not, it, there was no winning at all. And it was unfortunate. But on the left side, too, now, you have Brendan Smith, who they signed, playing in the Carolina Hurricanes. Solid, tough, hard to play against, third pair defenseman. It's, it's, it came at good value, and it's just good depth. Okay, you got Ryan Graves and Jonas Siegenthaler. The Devils can kind of get it together, and they can play better on the back end. It's going, to be, it's going to be a turnaround on defense. Just fundamentally doing the little things. They did go through uh, coaching changes. McGill comes in from Vegas, and he was actually in charge of penalty kill. And their penalty kills have been really good since they've been since, – since Vegas has been a team. So if he brings that to New Jersey, and New Jersey can kind of get it together defensively, it's going to be tough to play against them a little bit. I think, you know, you'll see it a little bit different. Even though Lindy Ruff is still the the head coach of the team, you're going to see a bit of a difference with the Devils in, in both areas of the ice. But at the end of the day, nothing was as bad as the New Jersey Devils goaltending. I mean, nothing. I mean, it was the worst goaltending aside from the Seattle cracking. And we all know how bad Phil Grubauer was. He was brutal. The Devils had the worst goal saved above expected of any team goaltending was. It was just bad across the board. And the nightmare of goaltending. I mean, we're going to go through the list here. I wish the Devils could have been like the Rangers or even the Boston Bruins. So the Boston Bruins went from Tim Thomas to Tukarask and now they're actually going from Tukarask to Jeremy Swayman. So the, the transition of just steady goaltending is still there. The Rangers, we all know. Henrik Lundqvist, one of the best of, of the generation. And now you got Igor Shosturkin, who just had a killer year. Won the Vezina, deserved it. One of the best goalies to, to play right now. You could, you could say he's up there easily. No questions asked. Okay, well, the Devils went for Martin Brodeur, and we're still trying to find goaltending. And it's just not there. It's not. Mackenzie Blackwood, he had a promising year right before the pandemic. And his level of play hasn't been there since. He's never finished with a positive goal save above expected. And he's kind of on his last leash. You gotta think it, with with him being a pending RFA at the end of this coming season. You gotta wonder are the Devils gonna qualify him or are they just gonna let him go? Maybe trade him, get something out of him. But are the but if he does not perform, it's not going to be good. However, the Devils have a backup plan. But before we get to that backup plan, to sum up the Devils' goaltending woes, 
it was Blackwood. Okay, Blackwood got hurt. He had a nagging heel injury. The team rode him because they absolutely needed him because they have nothing else. Jonathan Bernier went down with hip injury. Same surgery that Tukarazka had. Tukarazka is retired now. So Mackenzie Blackwood, they rode him. and His injury never healed properly, and then he ends up being out for the majority of the year. So what do the Devils do? You have Nico Dawes and John Gillies. You're, you rode AHL goaltending the entire year. They're not bad. But the Devils don't have the team to outscore your goaltending problems. And it was just brutal the whole time. Nico Dawes was the better of the two. But at the end of the day, you can't ride any AHL goaltending for an entire season and think you're going to succeed. It's not going to happen at all. It's just not. It's just the way it is. And that was the problem with the Devils. The goaltending was bad. No goaltender that took the crease for the New Jersey Devils was substantial. The goal saved the Buffs expected was brutal. I mean, rebounds were brutal. Just every, anything you can think of that was goaltending for the Devils was brutal. And what did they do at the deadline? Andrew Hammond, the ham burglar. <laughs> Haven't heard that name in forever. He comes in and plays a slew of games. It's patchwork. That's what it was. It was patchwork. And it didn't matter. They were in the basement, but it was something. And at the end of the day, Nico Dawes, he could very well be an NHL caliber goaltender. He actually, I mean, based on what you saw from him, it was not horrible. It really wasn't. But you could tell he wasn't ready either. That was the problem. So what does Tom Fitzgerald do? He finally does the opposite of what he's done the past couple of years. And here's the thing. You cannot fault Tom Fitzgerald. Why? Because he has literally gone out of his way to upgrade this hockey team. He has. You cannot fault him for at least trying. Problem is, he's tried with aging veterans. The Corey Crawford experience did not end very well for the Devils. He signed a contract, went through, and then he just retired. Uh, I believe it was injury-related. I can't remember. Okay, so the next season, what do you do? You bring in Jonathan Bernier. Is Bernier a bad goaltender? By no means. But he goes down with hip injury and hip surgery. And he's starting the year on the IR. So now what? So the Devils have shown, even with the goaltending market, they don't go after Billy Huso. Darcy Kemper, they didn't even entertain it. They did not go near Jack Campbell, which were the three top goalies on the market. Day two of the draft day, he trades for Vitek Vanacek from the Washington Capitals, which actually, in hindsight, is not a bad move. He was one of the better goalies, especially at 5 of 5. He had a very good save percentage at 5 of 5. His last two seasons, he's posted a consistent save percentage of 9.08. Which isn't bad. That is light years better than any goaltender the Devils have had last year. If the Devils had that goaltending last year at playing at that level, I'm not saying they would have made the playoffs. No way. <clears throat> not with the injuries they've had. Not with the struggles they've had defending anything. Just they would have at least been maybe like Columbus or the Islanders. Obviously, the East was stacked. Every team that made the playoffs had 100 points. But they would have at least been more competitive being like an 80-point team instead of a 40-point team or anywhere near that level. 
They wouldn't have been in the basement. They wouldn't have been at the wild card, but they would have been higher up than where they finished if they had just subpar goaltending. League average save percentage was not was point nine zero three. Okay, Vanacek played above that. So if the Devils had that all last year, they would have been fine. It would have been better than what they've been dealing with. <clears throat> so you bring in Vanacek, sign him to a three-year contract. Okay, he's now like your insurance plan if things don't go well with Blackwood. Because now instead of Blackwood being the, without a doubt, starter, same with Vanacek, it's a 1A, 1B, which is actually really good. It takes the pressure off both of them. But at least you know if Blackwood is struggling, Vanacek can come in and play. You might almost see that with Toronto this year with Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov. Kind of similar to what Samsonov and Vanacek did in Washington. They were the 1A, 1B. And that's what you'll see this year with the Devils. And if Blackwood's healthy and can regain that form before the pandemic, it's going to be really good for the Devils overall. Just having stability in the net. Is it elite? No. But playing above the 0.8880 percentage that they had for safe percentage, yeah, you're not going to win and have sustainable success with that. So if the Devils can do anything better than that, they will be in good shape overall. I believe it. I really do. And that was really the Achilles heel all season long. The goaltending. And you notice it every game. I mean, the Devils could put up five goals in a game, and the goaltending would let up six. If you're scoring five goals in a game, you should win that hockey game. This is very simple. So overall, you're going to go into, and they're both young. So you're going into the into the season with two very young goaltenders, and Vanacek is the insurance policy if Blackwood goes south. But the Fitzgerald and management, they believe in him. So if they believe in him, I guess the fan base, I guess we can rally behind that. So time will tell with what actually happens with the goaltending situation going forward. But that's what we're dealing with, and that's that's just what we're going to get. <clears throat> and overall, it's, it's exciting. I mean, so based on everything we just went over with the team outlook, there's a lot to be excited about when it comes to the Devils this year. We can say that they were off-season winners. Let's get the hype going. Let's get the party started. Party like it was 2000. But at the end of the day, that success has to translate onto the ice. The guys got to stay healthy. Hopefully, the offense can still maintain the same play that they played last year because that was really, really their biggest, their biggest thing was their offense. If the defense can play better, I mean, the Devils should have no problem being a top 10 defense. And the penalty kill was actually middle of the pack. They ranked like 14th over in Asserdeen, who is now at the Dallas Stars. So, honestly, if the Devils can improve on the special teams and everything, it's good to go. Uh, there's a lot of things to be excited about. Everything is coming together. The future is bright. The lights are bright. And this season's going to be awesome. And I cannot wait to dive into it with the rest of you. And I hope that the rest of you guys enjoy the devil season as well and feel as optimistic as I do. Hamilton is healthy. Blackwood's healthy. Hughes is healthy. Palat's in. Brat's back. Marino's in. 
there's a lot to be excited about. If you're an old school Devils fan, Sergey Breland's on the coaching staff. That's just exciting to see. I mean, Breland was a devil through and through. So it's just awesome to see. And that's it for the team outlook. Uh, the next episode that we do in regards to the Devils, we'll just be kind of seeing how they stack up with the rest of the division based on what they added, predicting where they'll finish, and just kind of doing like a Metropolitan Division outlook. But in a short, short break, in a short second, we will just go through some other hockey news and just kind of talk about what's going on in the league. All right, so in other hockey news, just going around the league, based on what's happened recently, well, Carolina made a splash. Carolina just signed Paul Stastny to a one-year contract worth $1.5 million. That's massive. That is huge for the Hurricanes. Trocek leaves. You need a 2C. You could go with him with Jesper Kakanyemi or Martin Natchez. You bring in Stastny at that value, that's huge. That's depth down the middle. Easily for something for Brindamore to work with. I like the move. A team that had cup aspirations this past year. You kind of wish they did more. But they're going for it all. And, I mean, deep down the middle is depth down the middle. goes a long ways, especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So Phil Kessel signed with the Vegas Golden Knights. And I don't understand how that team has money. I mean, they sign, they're like the L.A. Rams. They just sign whoever they feel like and somehow wiggle it under the cap. And I don't get it. I don't understand it. But Phil Kessel for a year at one and a half, very good value. Uh, a guy that can come in and play the third line minutes, he'll give you double-digit goals. It's just depth scoring for Vegas, who is looking to get back in the playoffs after the slew of moves they made this offseason. And Bruce Cassidy, his coach, Leonard out his goalie. It'll be interesting to see how Vegas actually looks down the stretch. But Phil Kessel is a very good move. And clearly the big one. The one we've all been waiting for. The Mac Daddy of the signings, aside from Goodrow and the Kachuk debacle. Nathan Kadri finally signed a contract. But he did not sign with the New York Islanders like everybody expected. And Lou Lamorello and Strikes out, literally, three strikes you're out on superstars, bringing them to Long Island. Nazem Kadri signs with Calgary Flames. I mean, what an offseason that team has had. I mean, to lose your two superstar wingers and somehow come out on the better end of things is insane. To lose Goudreau, Kachuk doesn't want to sign. So you trade him to the Panthers, who just gave you an arsenal. You get a century point player back, plus a top four defenseman, a first-round pick, and a prospect. And you managed to sign Nazem Kadri. Pacific Division is theirs for the taking, and the Battle of Alberta is going to be very alive and well because McDavid and Co. are not going away. But Kadri signs a seven-year deal with the Calgary Flames and rock on to that. Uh, they're deep down the middle now. Uh, could he got seven mil somewhere else? He probably could have got more somewhere else. But Calgary has a very good team overall, and they're very well coached. 
So he chooses to go there. And you know what? Good for them. Uh, you get deep down the middle. Kadri can play both ways. Granted, he had a killer year with Colorado, but he's going to a Calgary team who was also very good offensively. And that's a team that I, I honestly think can win the Pacific Division. I, I do believe they'll win it again this year. Uh, I know the, the, the cup run kind of ended early this year, earlier than people would have thought the way this, their season went. But I do think that that team can win the Pacific Division. And another team that's had other things come out is the Boston Bruins. And the speculation on David Posternot's contract extension. The Bruins weren't going to do much this year. They're tied up against the cap. They're going into the season with three key players out at least until Christmas, which is not good. But they have enough to maybe tread water. Biggest thing they had, Patrice Bergeron comes back, takes hometown discount. David Krejci comes back, and you got a feeling with one year left that this is this is the the last dance. This is the last hoorah. This is the last crack at it for the Boston Bruins core that is still there. But what happens going forward? That, that's the biggest thing. What happens going forward? And there's pieces in place. Uh, Charlie McAvoy signed. Hampus Lindholm signed. Brandon Carlo signed. Matt Grizzlick is also signed. So you have a top four in play. Charlie Coyle is signed. Taylor Hall still remains. If they do rebuild, you kind of want to wonder what happens with Brad Marchand getting a little bit older. Will they trade him for assets? Who knows? You have a you have a rock in that in Jeremy Swayman. But what happens if with David Posternock? He's probably gonna get more than what he got in this last deal where he kinda quoted himself saying he could be making two hundred bucks playing in check, but you know, he's thankful to be making the money he makes. Okay, well this time around, who knows? He could probably command something similar to what Jonathan Hubert designed, which is ten and a half million, but does he? I don't think Sweeney wastes any time. I don't think he plays games with this one. Because the Bruins are contending. David Krejci came back to literally play with David Pasternak. That was the whole point, partially. And to run a bag of Bergeron. If they're contending, they don't trade him. They can't. Why would you trade your, one of your best scoring wingers at the deadline if you're if you're trying to contend for the Cup? But if you don't have him signed by the deadline, you run into a Gaudreau situation where, at that point, he can sign wherever he feels like. So it'll be really interesting to see what the star winger holds, and he will be on the radar of everybody because he's a prolific winger, and he literally will command attention from everybody around the league, without a doubt. But in terms of hockey news, that is all I have for right now. Uh, this is the first episode. I would love feedback possible. I'm going to be opening up a segment. I'll be taking fan questions. I would love to engage with all of you. So next episode, I will put something out. It'll be called Down in the DMs. And we'll do like a little mailbag question. Just, it could be anything. Hockey. Life. 
just engage. Let me know who you are, where you're from. Love to talk to you. And we will see you next week. And thank you very much.